is Max, and this is The Uncommon Truth, In Search of the Church the Way Jesus Meant It to Be. Today, Steve and I are joining you from Oroville, California at the Father's House Church, and we're asking the question, are we passionate about the things that Jesus is passionate about? Thanks for joining us. Last week, we were here and we talked about a Christianity that works. Basically, we were talking about, does your life have what Jesus promised it would have in in relationship with him and peace and and joy and does that does that life also does that produce fruit outside of you in in your community are you focused on on jesus living with you and and living out of you and impacting the lives of others and one thing we talked about last week that that seemed like the main discernible difference between a christianity that works in your life and in the community around you and the world around you and one that doesn't is fruit so uh, do you have that peace that passes understanding that joy unspeakable full of glory um, or is it is it like it was for me for so long feeling a little bit like work and and not really sure and i i seem i seem to get the impression that there's a lot of people a lot of areas in this world where we we're not passing that test of a christianity that works and and so what we asked ourselves oh why is that um and i i came to a couple different questions when when we were brainstorming could it be that we have misplaced our passions what if what we are passionate about is actually getting in the way of what Jesus is passionate about? So that's what we're going to talk about today. I got a couple quotes that after visiting the Father's House Church a couple years back and and listening to the messages and still living in Canada and, and trying to figure out what what I needed to do with my life and, and my wife and I were discussing things and I read a bunch of books and listened to a bunch of podcasts and I, I listened to the messages online from the Father's House and listening to Stephen and some of the other pastors around here. I have a few quotes that stuck with me, and, and one of them came from David Platt, who wrote the book Radical, and, and I read that in that time period when we were deciding whether to move or not, and it really challenged me. One of his quotes was, we are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. And he also said, we desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American and how much is biblical. Yeah. And then I, I remember reading Francis Chan's book, Letters to the Church, which I actually saw. We watched the the sort of the trailer video here at church not too long ago and blown away by some of the questions he asked. But he was, he was talking, uh, he relayed a story in that book where he was talking to some, some church leaders and he asked them, now, if you were to talk to the people in your church and you were to ask them what they would, uh, or you'd, you'd ask them what makes a good church, what would, would they say? And, and a lot of the things he relayed were, well, we talk about programs, we talk about um, the worship program, is, it, is the music the right volume or style or tempo, and um, do we have programs for our kids and youth, and, and do we have have good uh, coffee in our church, something like that. And then he asked these same church leaders to, well, what is what does God command of of the church? And and they'd say things like, well, we need to take care of widows and orphans, and we need to bear one another's burdens, and we need to we need to be unified as a church and and love one another as Jesus has loved us. So the question Francis Chan asked was, would what would upset 
the people in your church is more. If if the church didn't provide the things from the first list, the programs and and childcare and good coffee or music, or would they be more upset if we weren't providing taking care of widows and orphans and and loving each other as, as Jesus has loved us and um I guess that's sort of a similar track that, that we're we're talking about today. So my first question Steve is what are what are we passionate about in the North American church that Jesus actually isn't passionate about? I think we're probably focused in extreme on testimony that something good happened. Um, I went, recently went to a Knights of Generosity conference at a church of 13,000 people. There were notable stars. There were notable um, absolute heroes of certain sports, you know, like really high up, big contract type people in the crowd, Hollywood um, music industry stars, Hollywood stars. And they were very happy to produce um, some $300,000 in generosity. Mm-hmm. And, my, and, and the great testimonies and the great you know, celebration that we did something. And I, I said, you know, I think that $300,000 would be a phenomenal testimony coming from, you know, striking a rock with a stick or, you know, like a, a group of poor people. I have had a room of poor people produce $3,200. And I was thinking of the widow's might that the $3,200 was incredibly more than the 300000 Right. The, the the one person sitting in the middle of the front row of that conference that night, it was the Knights of Generosity, and, and the one person sitting there could have given $300,000 from their breakfast money. I mean, it was, it was what did we as a church really accomplish with 13,000 people in Microsoft's backyard with yeah. um, the, one of the richest communities in the world? Three hundred thousand dollars, thirteen thousand people. I thought that's a great testimony because you just tell it as three hundred thousand dollars you raised. But other places talk about other testimonies. They really heighten the testimony that something good happened, proving that God is real, proving that God is love, proving that God is with us. And I think yeah. that really that's the North American Church. Go out and tell that you had seven hundred decisions for Christ. Not 700 disciples. I think what Jesus is passionate about is making disciples, turning people into disciples of Jesus Christ. And what I think he said, if you are my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the number one thing we should be looking for is truth and freedom. Are you free from the trappings of flesh? Are you free from the worries of health? Are you free from the fretting over future care like retirement and old age and uh, college educations and who will pay for this and what will pay for that? Um, Do you have a father who is in heaven who will take care of you? I would, if I had resources, I would give my children everything. Would that be good for them? Probably not. But what I really judge my life by is did I give my children a relationship with Jesus? I think in the North American church, we've lost touch of what's important. I think that it's epidemic that pastors' kids are not serving Jesus, that Christian households are not producing Christians, Mm. 
that people are saying, I, I've been there and done that, and I really didn't, you know, it really didn't produce in me any joy. I didn't have any more joy, peace, or patience, or kindness, right. or goodness than my neighbors who weren't going to church. I just ended up going to church all the time. And I. it's sad because a, a generation ago, 55% of our people in America went to church. So how are you going to relight that fire? They've, they say they've already been there. What they experience, they say they've already had it. How do you get them to re-listen, rethink about, re-come back to what the truth is? If truth is the point and they don't know the truth, how do you get them to come back when they think they know the truth? I've already heard it. Well, right. what is it you heard? Yeah. In, in my opinion, what Jesus was saying in Matthew 25, 25 is this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. My father will gather the nations on that day and he will say, he will gather them and separate them as sheep and goats. And he will say to one group, the goats, he will say, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me in. I was naked and afraid and you did not comfort me. Hmm. And he'll say to the other group, I, I was those things and you did. They're like, what? Yeah, and, and both we... groups have the same answer, when? And I think that the real thing that North American church has taken away from the identification of truth is are we meeting the needs of one another? Right, not, not just ourselves, right? No, absolutely not. We're, not. we're not meeting the needs of others. We are what, what sets us apart and causes us to not pass our torch to the next generation, to not be relevant or effective in our world. Right on our watch, abortion is being uh, produced for after the baby is born. I mean, it's, uh, it's it, inter- incredible contradictions of it's a $50,000 fine and five years in prison to disturb the egg of a bald eagle, but it is everyday happenstance to end the pregnancy of a human being. Right. And so there's just these kinds of contradictions come out of a time from a country that is 55% church attendance, and yet the production of their own children becoming uh, accepting what they believe is at an all-time low. Yeah, I, I remember even in Canada, like as a camp director, I had I had this guy uh, named Devin. He was he was great. I was trying to get him to come and be the leader of all the all the middle school count, counselors and kids for a whole summer. Right. And this guy Devin and his younger brother had been coming to the camp uh, from the age of seven years old. So they'd come to camp one or two weeks a summer from the age of 7 to 17, so 10 years each, 20, 20 years together they've put into coming to this camp that their their parents had decided this is such a good thing, we are going to keep sending them to this Bible camp. And what happened was they they would, you know, as they got older, they accepted Christ, they got uh, hooked up with friends that loved Jesus, and they, decided, they ended up going to Christian school, and, and they had... Um, they had great phase, and I wanted them to come work at camp. So I talked to Devin. He was he was nineteen. And I said, yeah. I, "I want you for this job, man. What right. like what's holding you back from that?" And he's like, "Well, my my dad just doesn't think I I should get I should work at camp. He thinks I should get a real job." And I said, "Well, 
let's get this straight. He paid for you and your brother to come to camp for 10 years each. That's like 400 bucks a summer for 10 years. And and he thought it was good enough for you to come in and be mentored up and discipled and and trained up in Christianity. He thought that was good enough for for his son. But he's not going to have his son do that for anybody else's kids. Right. And he's like, "Wow, I, I'd never thought about it that way." And and this this father, he wasn't he wasn't a you know non Christian dad that just oh well I guess my kids got tangled up in some weird Bible camp or you know like no. they drank the Kool Aid. No, this was a like he was on the board of their Christian school and he was right. like this was this was your run of the mill supposed Christian, Christian thinking right. right is get a real job. And and I I saw that like I expected that from my family who are, aren't Christians and they I I start working at a camp for yeah. not a whole lot of money and they're like what are you doing and then you know sell all my stuff and move to California and they're like oh well that's that's just what you do now I guess but yeah from from Christians um, saying like well, uh, well can't somebody else do that and and I think there's there's more Christian parents that would be uneasy about their their kids going into foreign missionary work, they'd right. be more uneasy about that than they would about their kid getting a job right. at Starbucks down the street or something. Right. And and I think it's because our passions are are lying in a, a whole different ball field than the ones Jesus are in. I think our priorities are that we have tomorrow taken care of financially, responsibly, that we are responsible more than that we are charitable or kind or good or or even happy. Our, our values are way out of skew that happiness is not what we're after. It's security or that security causes happiness and yet we know that's not true. Security doesn't cause happiness. So what people really want is both security and happiness and I think security and happiness comes from trusting God who says... If my if your son asked you for a stone, would you give or a bread? Would you give him a stone? And it's like, how much more will your heavenly Father give you good things if you ask Him? And so, to have a heavenly Father is really the key to security and happiness, both. But I think the North Amer- the question being the North American Church, where has it got away? It's in seeing that happiness and security come from responsibility, having money, having insurance, having retirement, having something to fall back on. Whereas Jesus thought, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Behold, I go and prepare a place for you. If it were not true, I would not tell you this. And so Jesus is preparing a place for his disciples and his disciples are those who deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow him. This is the road to security and joy. I talk to Christian young people, the 20 somethings, the millennials, all of them. I talk to them constantly, and they're dissatisfied. And they, the thing they are most, and they'll admit to it, is when it comes to spiritual things. Are you confused? And they'll tell you, I'm so confused. Hmm. I hear this, and I hear that. And I'm looking for real. I'm looking for people who lay it down for real. And I'm like, well, real would be defined by me as someone who hears the words of Jesus and acts upon them, who actually applies them in their life, which is deny yourself. 
give unto others. See the hungry, a hungry man, and feed him as though he's Jesus, the least of these my brethren. Invite a stranger in. Share the gospel. These are the things that bring joy. These are the things that bring life. If you want abundant life, give life away. And if you want money, give money away. You're going to see that he will take care of you. And that's the, that's the, uh, the, pro, the North American church where it has gone sideways. If you want to go to a seminar on how to be financially secure, you'll find it being taught in a church. But if you want to go to heaven and you want to walk with Jesus and you want to have a father who is in heaven taking care of you, providing the bread, providing the manna, taking care of healing your wounds. I mean, I think that's the other side of the coin With um, besides testimony that we are all looking for somebody to say that something good happened instead of just being the hand of God to do something good. Hmm. We're all looking for miracles. And the Bible is teaching that miracles will follow you. You know, go heal the sick. That's what, lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's what Jesus commanded. So they're looking for the, Miracle healing instead of going, which is takes effort, laying your hands on people, which is uncomfortable, praying for them, which is intimidating, and believing that they'll recover. All or, those, all those things, as you're saying them, they just they seem like they jump in the face of the things that we value as Americans, like right. personal freedom. Right? That's right. Like, Personal freedom, nobody gets to tell me what to do. That's right. Um, when we see homeless people, we're uncomfortable because it's like, it's almost like that that passage, whose sin caused this man to be homeless? And, right. And it's almost like it's an affront on my my own safety and security that That's I right. have to see this homeless guy. That's right. But for the by- grace of God, there go I kind of thing. <laughs> right. Um, also that, that like, well... These these things we're talking about that that produce this Christianity that works, they take a lot of a lot of community yeah. and and freedom and individualism. While sometimes they're good things, but in in the wrong way in in Christianity, that's that's not exactly how things work. It's not a lone wolf faith, um, no. and that's a big thing that I'm working on. Is I was a lone wolf for a really long time, um, and. And now I have to, to to have that fruit of community. I have to submit myself to community. That's right. So I don't get uh, like if I want to have friends and and hang out and play. Like I really love board games and ha- having friends over to play board games or or being on the softball team. I love that stuff. If I want that stuff, I also have to be the friend for when one of the guys on the team isn't doing well. Right. And or when when one of the guys. Uh, on the team needs help watching his kids because the women, <laughs> the women all went away uh, for the weekend, and and you know like as an as an American, I find those things unsettling. Like, oh, I I have to help you, or I have to be accountable to you, or um, I I also see it in in church shopping. Like that's a phenomenon that that's pretty commonplace these days. Where yeah. when when we're talking about church. It, I don't know. It seems to me it used to be like well, I go to the church, the closest one that's of the denomination that I that I belong to, I believe in, and right. and you know it's it's almost like your family. You can't choose your family. So, <laughs> and and nowadays it's like, well, I tried that church, but they were like ten beats per minute on their worship, a little bit too fast or too slow for me, or 
Um, I followed this this pastor's teaching for right. a couple of years, but then he said one thing wrong, and it didn't jive with my That's my theology. And, and I'm going to just go find another church. And so, you see that around you. Yeah, that's, you know, anybody that pastors the church, I've been pastoring a long time, and people come and people go on many levels, and I, I I don't know what they're looking for. Sometimes I've had people leave because I teach Jesus, and I've had people leave because what Jesus teaches is just too hard. Deny yourself, pick up your cross. I was hungry and you fed me not. You know, he says, Jesus says stuff like, this is how your heavenly Father will deal with you. And it's like, whoa. And I, I've heard people leave for many reasons. Sometimes it's just they don't like what I say and or they don't like me. And I get that. You know, you want people to be comfortable. I want people to like the music, like the atmosphere, you know. But they tend to not – commitment is very difficult and attachment. And if you don't honor them just right, they're really looking for someone to honor them in, in many in many cases or to someone to promote them immediately or recognize they're something special. And it's always shocking to me when people do that. But I, I – you know, have no desire to critique what they're coming in for. I just, I just want to preach Jesus. I want to preach living water so that the thirsty come to drink. I want to preach bread that came down from heaven so the hungry come to eat. And if they hear it and if they enter in and they lay their life in the offering to the Lord, give my life to the Lord, this church is an expression of the Lord, and then walk alongside of me as we do the work of the kingdom, I guarantee you're going to see miracles, signs, wonders, and especially um, goodness and mercy following after you everywhere you're going. You're going to see the Lord move in the community around you. Mm -hmm. People are going to start to say their life's the best it's ever been. People are going to start to say they love their life. Look at the life we're getting to live. It's amazing. That's what they say all around me. How are you doing? Are you kidding? My, I, look at the life I'm getting to live, and I always chuckle. They're getting it. They are getting it. They. I hear a lot, um, I get to work for Jesus. I get to work and for <laughs> Jesus. That's my favorite thing because that's really crazy. I think about it all the time. How do you use me? And why do you let me? And he just does. He puts opportunity in front of me. I do it. I go after it. And then I say, wow, I get to work for Jesus. And you know, the one the one thing that I was noticing um, when I first came here is, I, I think you talked about this in one of one of the sermons when I visited was, you know, you don't you don't build a mega church saying the things that that we say here and right. and what you do end up with though are sold out disciples sold for Jesus, out. lovers of Jesus, or or at minimum people who leave knowing exactly where they stand, and yep. that's one thing I yep. noticed when I was at at the summer camp. I would have kids come, and they would work at camp for a summer. And and honestly, summer is a lot like uh, summer camp was a lot like it is here, where there's a community of people that are working around the clock, taking care of other people's needs. And it's such a difficult job taking care of eight to fifteen year olds, right. um, being their parents, you know, for a whole week that you have no no business doing it without 
relying on each other and relying on God. And so these these young people would have amazing amazing faith journeys during their summer. They just blossom. And then they would go back and they'd all talk about, well, this is my plan to keep keep uh, being fruitful after the summer. And I would check in with them and on October 1. September 1st is the end of camp. October 1, I check in. How are you doing? Oh, well, you know, I, have, I haven't really cracked my Bible since then. Mm-hmm. Um, where during the summer, you, you miss your morning devotion and you're just like, wow, I, I can't take care of these kids today. And and you see your everyday need for right, Jesus right. and your everyday need for each other. And you, you can't hide that. You can't hide from that in that yeah. community. Um, people but, de- people but, depending yeah. on you causes you to be diligent. Right. Yeah. It, it, it pushes you. And, and you can't, in that sense, you can't get away from it because no. it's like, well, these kids aren't going anywhere. So I better, I better figure it out pretty quick. Um, but because we, we seem to be so passionate about our individual rights. We, I think we forget about our individual responsibilities. Yeah. So, so that's, I guess we've covered the topic of what we're passionate about that yeah. doesn't really seem to be panning out in our lives and right. in the lives of those around us. So what is Jesus passionate about that we could be, we could be more passionate about? Jesus is passionate about, forgiving the sins of all, leading us into a relationship with God, and then leading us to be his representation filled with the Holy Spirit in the world and to the world around us. That's what he's passionate about. He's passionate about the needs of the least of these, my brethren, that those who have a little look to take care of those who have none. And that's what Jesus is passionate about, bringing as many of God's creation of his human beings into his kingdom as his death can possibly bring, as his life can possibly bring, as his power can possibly bring. He's passionate about winning the lost and relieving the suffering of sin from the face of the earth. So how how are we doing as followers of Jesus? Are, is that representative of of our passions? Are we being are we being that to people around us? I think that question, if it's answered by anyone about anyone else, is probably going to fall on deaf ear, deaf ears, and even could get to the point of judgment, hmm. forbidden judgment. Right. I think how we're doing has to be how am I doing? Okay. And then how do the people around me that I'm associating with, do they look like what I see Jesus looking like? Am I having a positive effect? Am I, am I a positive peer pressure or am I a negative peer pressure? Am I leading them forward and closer? Is their life getting better by being with me? When I say to my people, follow me as I follow Christ, I feel nothing but dread. <laughs> like what if they actually do follow me? What if they actually do listen to me and do what I say and it doesn't work out? Well, that's a real responsibility for me to look at what I say, who I am, what I do, and make sure it will work out. Be absolutely positive when I say, if you do what I tell you, your life is going to be better. I, what I tend to do is make them a promise. They're going to like themselves better. You know why they're going to like themselves better? Because if they follow me, they're going to know Jesus. And if they know Jesus, they're going to find out he likes them, he loves them, he forgives them, 
He walks with them. He talks with them. He'll help them correct their wrong thinking. He'll help them strengthen their weaknesses. He'll help them grow in maturity. I mean, it's just a win, 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 win situation. And so I, when I look around and I say, are we? I really say, I'm really saying, am I? And then I'm saying, is the part around me that's actually listening to me, is it helping or is it hurting? And when I find out it's helping, then I can answer for that guy and say, yeah, he's doing good because he is making his decisions. He is living his life in a sacrificial manner to give his life away. He's following after what Jesus taught. Mm -hmm. And again, back to the words and teachings of Jesus. I am not a Jesus-only disciple. I believe Jesus is leading me to the Father. I have a Father who art in heaven, and the Holy Spirit is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. I'm a Trinitarian all the way, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Father, and the love of the, His only Son, Jesus Christ. But as far as teachings on how I should live, I'm following Jesus. I'm listening to Jesus. I'm taking what he says. I'm putting it into play. I'm putting it into action in my life. And I, he said, forgive. He said, I was hungry and you did not feed me. I'm going to make sure I'm the guy. He says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Enter into my rest, my good and faithful servant. I can't wait to hear those words. I yeah. long to hear those words. So I, I picked up on a couple of things you were saying. All right. Um, <laughs> Got carried away no, there. That, I went. Like, I ran off on a tangent there. <laughs> um, I, I picked up on on something you said because it seemed like so opposite of my thinking before I came here. Yeah. Um, which was like that idea of sacrifice. Um, that that we are sacrificing for others because Jesus sacrificed for us. That's right. Um, and that's. The reason that's different is because if we go back to what, as Americans and as Westerners, we're really passionate about, um, sacrifice is, is not on that list. It's almost like the the first century Jews, when they, they, they just had a hard time even thinking about a Messiah that would die for them because that was so, the sacrifice was so low on their on their priorities. That was just such a taboo. And, and we're almost back full circle to... Well, like sacrifice, I don't need to sacrifice. I'm, you know, I've got, I've got the American dream, or I've got my my bank account, or I've got my personal freedoms, and um, and now sacrifice, sacrifice is really difficult for us. And and the other one that's really difficult, I think, for everybody is obedience, right? Like, yeah, no one wants to hear that. It's <laughs> that's not that's not how you build a, a mega church by by saying let's obey Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's a lot easier to say, um, you know, my life's the best it's ever been than it is to say, and this is how I got there, by obeying Jesus. Yeah, sacrificing everything and laying my life down for others. Like, I got to be honest, Jesus. it's it's hard. Like, I, we sold our stuff to come here, um, and I, I did that because if, like, I knew it was the right thing to do, but I didn't... I didn't really like watching people truck my stuff out of my front door right. minutes before it wasn't my front door anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, um, and I, there's days where it's like, man, I could still go back to that couch. That was a nice couch. Yeah. That bed was really comfortable. I could sleep in that bed. Um, mm. And so it, it's like a constant battle. Right. But, um, but having that, that assurance that, 
I am following Jesus and yeah, he's going to prepare a bed for me in my father's house. That's a lot better than the one that I just left. Yeah. Let somebody carry out my front door. But it is it is a struggle, and it it does it just bites against everything that that I was raised with. You know, like take care of yourself before you take care of others, and right. you know, charity starts at home and things like that. And like I don't even have Christian parents, but I knew enough of of you know the American life to to know that, and right. um, so. I don't know how how can we bridge that gap between we've obviously got these things that we're passionate about as as Americans we grow up in this culture which um, our friend Jordy says like this is the lens through we through which we see the world and and um, and now we're asked to actually like by Jesus flip this entire thing around our entire way of thinking upside down how do we even know which way to go I think it's pretty easy. To turn around. I think the cl- it's so clear in your life what is selfishness and what is selflessness. We love to throw around the word love. Mm. We use love constantly. But in the words of Jesus when he's talking about love, he is clearly talking about selflessness and the lack of love is selfishness. And so if I can get anybody to listen to me, follow me, walk alongside of me, the thing they're going to learn the most is how to give what they have to others. Hmm. That's really the turnaround. The whole world's telling us to hold on to what we have. You can't trust anyone but yourself. You gotta have a nest egg. You gotta take care of your old age. You've got to look out for your tomorrows. What's gonna happen if the storms come? And Jesus is saying, why do you worry about tomorrow? And he's teaching us to lay down our life for one another and take care of one another. Even the healing, lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. Go make disciples. It's all about serving others, giving to others. Being the vicar of Christ, Christ on the face of the earth for others. So he says, give and you'll receive. How do I know I'm going to be taken care of? Give and you'll receive. If I know I'm giving, and I know I'm giving not to be, you know, for the wrong reasons, I'm not giving so that I'll be all right. I'm giving and I can know I'll be all right Hmm. because Jesus promises it. So, that's how do you get it turned around start giving so you're unable to give it all well give more than you used to then when you're really comfortable giving that give a little more and when you're comfortable giving that just keep increasing it keep pressing the issue and see and i'm not just talking about money either i'm talking about time energy life itself you want abundant life? Give life away. Give and you shall receive. Press down, shaken together, running over. Mm. Good mm. measure. The measure you use will be the measure used for you. That goes, what he was talking about there was forgiveness and judgment. It's the same thing. So when you give mercy and forgiveness, that's what you'll receive in abundance. When you give money, that's what you'll receive in abundance. When you give time 
I don't have enough time. Well, give what you have away. You'll have more. Want energy? I'm so tired. Well, then give a little. Give what you got. Give what's left. And you watch. What you give away will become receiving for you. And that's how you get it turned around. If you can just teach someone to quit being self-absorbed, everything about me. A guy told me one time he missed work. Oh, I called in sick and some guy filled in for me. And he got held hostage in, an, in, a, in a robbery. A gun held on him for 12 hours doing my job. And I was waiting for him to say, that poor guy, I feel so bad for him. I want to go try to take care of him. I know he's got PTSD. He's scared. Yeah. He was scared for his life. His wife was, I wanted to go over and just tell him how sorry I am. He had to go through that. That's what I was waiting for him to say. And he said, can you imagine I have to live with that now? The guilt that. The guilt that oh, he man. went through that because I didn't go to work. I went, man, that's the most selfish thought I've ever heard. All you're concerned about is how his down, his, his bad it, situation affected you yeah uh, so if i can teach that man to begin to think of the other guy i know that man will be turned around he'll start to have joy in his life he didn't have any he was the most, one of the more miserable people i've ever known and if we could just turn him around start thinking of other people even point out you know that sounded really selfish all you're <laughs> really worried about is you and that guy went through hell and yeah. he went through hell for you really in your place and so that man really did. He, he, he got it turned around. He began to think other things, other, other ways, and started to think less selfishly. He started to give his life away. Then, you, then just like that, he started to have joy. He started to be less miserable because he was miserable. And I'd say today, if you ran across him, he'd tell you he's happy. He'd probably tell you greatest blessings in his entire adult life or in his life today. But it's because he turned around because he, he just started thinking less selfishly, more generously. And he's kind of crippled up. He's kind of invalid. And he doesn't have a lot. But what he has, he started giving. And he started seeing his life change. And today he would say, my life's the best it's ever been. And I think that, I hope that answers your question. That's yeah. how you turn it around. You, you, just, you teach people to be less selfish, more selfless. That, that's helpful for me because, um, like, I gotta be honest. I'm I'm not very long into into this whole journey, right? And and I mean, I I really understood it where I was at because I could see the immediate impact of of me giving of my time, giving five minutes to a kid who in foster care who's nobody in the past year has shown him the time of day, right? And you can see that that kid's face light up. I could see that where where I was at. Um, and and then some days now that I'm here and and I've I gave up that that camp you know the camp directorship and um, because I wanted something more in in my community my whole life I wanted right. to feel like summer camp the whole year round um, and this was the only place that I found that 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 was even an option that that was even a potential right. you know um, and it's it's hard to to say like well, we work really hard around here and. Um, there are the days when I do well, it's like, wow, I get to do this. This is great. Um, I get to run a podcast or I get to answer the phones and help people, uh, help people come into the life recovery ministry. Or I get to, I get to, you know, just hang out with people and, and talk through them through their day or 
or I get to work for Jesus. Those are the days I do well. That's right. The the days that I'm like, what? Why did I? Why did I move here? Why did I give up this stuff? That's those are the days when I'm focusing on myself, mm-hmm. and um, like really, they're they're asking me to do this, or don't don't they know who I like who I am or where I came from, and don't don't they know that I'm overqualified for this? Those are the days I go home and and I don't enjoy my kids and I don't enjoy my wife and I don't enjoy right. what I actually have. Yeah. Um. And and I'd be lying if I didn't say like it's a real struggle. But hearing you say that, um, it's a it's a key to it's a so simple, and yet <laughs> it's not easy. But it's it's simple and um and as I'm as I'm working on as I, as I'm aiming to have the best life I've ever had and to know Jesus more and to to follow Him. Yeah. Um. I'm. I need to put that in practice. Of right. I'm going to. I'm going to give, and when it doesn't feel comfortable, I'm going to give, and when it doesn't feel comfortable, I'm going to give, and um, and really, when you see enough people around me here that have done just that, and and they their testimony is my life is the best it's ever been. Right. Um, it's it's easy to see, but it's it's still hard to put into into action. So, um. Yeah, thank thank you so much for sharing that. It it just goes so so against how how mo- most of us are raised in, right. in the West, yes, right? Yes, it is. Um, we and, should be asking why do why do I get to answer phones for Jesus? And, <laughs> and yet every one of us would feel. I'm not putting you down. Right. Every one of us would feel that way until we get that. Why do I get to answer the phones for Jesus? These are Jesus's phones, right? People seeking after something from the church, Jesus's church. And I get to be the first contact. Yeah. We should be saying, why do I get to? I get to work for Jesus. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted. No, that's it's exactly the the that's the journey we're on right now and um we wouldn't be on it except we saw the fruit. We saw a Christianity that works and we saw people who are every day outside the four walls of the church and inside the four walls being passionate about Jesus, what Jesus is passionate about, and actually putting it into practice. So, um, th- thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks it's for my challenging me. I love doing it, and um, I hope for those who are listening that they they feel challenged and um, a little bit, you know, excited too about. Hey, what can I? What can I give? What can I? Um, how can I be a little bit more passionate about what He is passionate about? Um, and a little bit less focused on myself. So um, thanks for tuning in. Next week on The Uncommon Truth, we're going to be talking about the uncommon truth of salvation. It's the foundation of Christianity, and yet most of us have a hard time understanding exactly what we believe or explaining what we believe or why we believe it. So we're going to be chatting with Steve next week, same time, to talk about salvation. Uh, Until then, I would really appreciate it if you would give us a subscription on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play Music, wherever you get your podcasts, and share us with a friend who you'd like to to introduce to the show. You can also check out our website and our social media in the show notes below. That's uh, at changeoroville.org and schooloftransformation.org. You can also check out information about our life recovery ministries uh, if you know somebody who's had a problem with addictions um, and is needing recovery, needs to know Jesus, and needs to to get their life back on track. We've got an amazing program centered around Jesus, so check that out. Um, the website's down there in the show notes. 
And until then, until next week, this is The Uncommon Truth.